Welcome to the Littler Workplace Policy Institute podcast. Insider briefings on the latest legislative and regulatory developments affecting employers. Hello, I'm Corinne Jackson, a Littler principal in Los Angeles, California, and a member of Littler's Workplace Policy Institute, or WPI. And I'm Ailey Friedberg, a Littler shareholder in New York City, and also a member of the Workplace Policy Institute. And I'm Bruce Sarchet, a Littler shareholder in Sacramento, California, and I'm also a member of the WPI. The WPI is dedicated to making sure that policymakers hear the voice of employers as they consider and implement workplace legislation and regulations. Regular listeners to our podcast know that we frequently report on quite specific recent developments in employment and labor law in one state or another. Today, we'd like to take a broader focus and look at a trend that is taking place in city council chambers and state legislatures across the country. To set the stage, I'm going to start with a sports trivia question for Bruce. Here goes. Bruce, where was the 2017 NBA All-Star Game played? Well, Corinne, it was played at the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans, which in and of itself is not so remarkable until you consider how the game ended up there. Now, the game was originally scheduled to be played in Charlotte, North Carolina, where this year's NBA All-Star Game was played. But in February of 2016, the city council in Charlotte approved a local ordinance banning discrimination against LGBT persons. In response, the state of North Carolina, the state said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You are only a city. We are a state, and this is something that only the state can regulate. So the state of North Carolina basically invalidated the Charlotte Ordinance, and the NBA pulled the All-Star Game in protest and moved it to New Orleans. That's an interesting story, Bruce, but... What does that have to do with the Workplace Policy Institute or labor and employment law? I'll take that one. The story is emblematic of similar stories which are playing out across the country. Charlotte may be a blue city, but is located in a red state. North Carolina, in this case, used the legal doctrine of preemption, asserting that the state law was the supreme law of the state and that the city had no authority to regulate the area of LGBT discrimination. And we are seeing the legal doctrine of preemption used over and over again all across the country. In our podcast today, we'll take a look at how the principle is evolving and its potential impact on city and state ordinances in the future. Okay, let's dig in. But first, a small disclaimer. Many employment and labor law practitioners are familiar with federal preemption of state laws. The Supremacy Clause provides that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. So, for example, federal law, the National Labor Relations Act, broadly preempts attempts by states to regulate how employees can join labor unions and the rights of those unions. Similarly, states can't regulate employee pensions. Those laws would be preempted by ERISA. Okay. So we won't be talking about federal preemption of state laws today, but we will examine a similar legal doctrine, state preemption of city laws. And this is highly relevant today because we are seeing a record number of cities getting into the act of workplace regulation. That's right. For example, in California, we now have 21 cities that have adopted their own minimum wage 
We have clients that are dispatching workers on various projects in more than one city, meaning they need to be paid different wage rates in a single workday. And in Oakland, California, voters recently passed Measure Z, which limits the amount of space a housekeeper can be required to clean in a hotel or a motel in the city. If the housekeeper exceeds that square foot allocation, they must be paid double time for all hours worked in that day. And in New York City, the city has passed what it calls a Fair Workweek Ordinance. The law is specific to retail and fast food employers in the city and contains a number of employee protections. For example, the law requires that if a business is growing, it must offer new shifts to existing part-time workers before bringing in new employees on board. The law also has a predictable scheduling component. It requires that employers provide advance notice to employees when their work schedule changes. If insufficient notice is provided, employees are entitled to extra pay called predictability pay. We are also seeing similar predictable scheduling ordinances passed in other parts of the country, including Philadelphia, Emeryville, San Francisco, and Seattle. In fact, Bruce and I did a podcast on predictable scheduling laws back in June of 2017 discussing this trend in California. And I've coined a term for this. I call this the municipalization of employment law. It's happening all over the country. And many of our clients, business owners, complain about having to comply with a multitude of different laws and regulations. It can be challenging to understand and follow different requirements from one city to another, all within a single state. But some states are pushing back. A number of them have adopted laws similar to the North Carolina law in Bruce's story about the NBA All-Star Game. These laws fall into various categories, typically by the subject matter being regulated. That's right. So for example, staying on the subject of predictable scheduling laws, 11 states have adopted laws which specifically preempt local ordinances which would require advance notice of work schedules. Those states are Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Oregon, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. Another subject-specific example is wage and hour law. 25 states have laws preempting local wage and hour laws, and seven states have some sort of law preempting local fair employment practice ordinances. And the examples go on and on. One state, Wisconsin, has preempted local salary history inquiry bans. North Carolina seems to have the broadest employment regulation preemption law in the country. However, that law is scheduled to sunset on December 1st, 2020. And in a strange twist, some states have actually gone in the opposite direction. For example, in my home state of Washington, the state legislature adopted an anti-preemption law. The law expressly states that localities may adopt local fair labor standards including minimum wage or paid sick leave laws, which are more generous to employees than the state law. And in another twist, some state preemption laws are being challenged in court. For example, Alabama has a state law preempting any local minimum wage ordinances. A group representing African Americans in Birmingham challenged the law, alleging that it discriminates against the majority of workers in the city who are black. The case made its way to a panel of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which upheld the state preemption law. However, earlier this month, 
the 11th Circuit granted an en banc rehearing to reconsider the dispute. We'll need to stay tuned to see how this challenge works out. And at the other end of the spectrum, some groups are challenging local ordinances in court on the grounds that they are preempted, even where there is no express state preemption law. Ailey, you were involved in just such a challenge, correct? That's right. Late last year, Littler's WPI brought suit on behalf of a group of fast food employers challenging New York City's predictable scheduling law. We assert that case law in New York State holds that such matters are the exclusive province of the state. The New York City ordinance is preempted. I'm pleased to be the lead lawyer in the case. And how far along are you with this case? We're still in the early stages, but things are about to start picking up. We have a briefing schedule all teed up, and we'll be filing our motion for summary judgment in a little over a month. Well, best of luck to you on that, Ailey, and please do keep us posted. Of course. So, the question of which law prevails, state or city, is in flux. Have we seen the end of this? We think not. For example, I predict that other states may pass additional preemption laws in the months and years to come. Preemption may look like a good approach for a state which wants to attract business. To illustrate this, Corinne, I'm going to ask you a bit of a trivia question. Do you remember your 10th grade world history class? Uh, some of it, Bruce. Why? Well, what do you remember about the unification of Germany and Italy at the end of the 19th century? That I actually do remember. Germany and Italy had basically consisted of a number of different city-states, all with their own rules, tariffs, taxes, etc. But the cities eventually grouped together into nations, right? That's right. And the elimination of those boundaries helped foster free trade, helped foster commerce and economic growth. But here in my home state of California, we are experiencing the opposite phenomena. We are witnessing what I call the de-unification of California. City ordinances regulating the workplace are creating boundaries and obstacles to trade, making it more difficult for employers to do business here. Terrific point, Bruce. I'm hopeful that at least some state policymakers are considering such an approach as we speak. Indeed. So that's our relatively quick summary of what is happening across the U.S. in the area of preemption of municipal ordinances, the legal tension between states and cities, and the ongoing regulation of the workplace. Thanks, Corinne and Ailey, for joining me here today for this important discussion. Very good. Great to be here and happy to participate. And thanks to our listeners as well. Stay tuned for further Workplace Policy Institute podcasts. We will keep you informed as WPI acts as the voice of employers with policymakers on the federal, state, and local levels. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.